This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, September 2nd, 2022. I'm Caleb Brown. The Federal Reserve's dual mandate of focusing on both inflation and employment gives the central bank enormous wiggle room when it comes to policy, and it allows them to aim for targets well beyond the mandate. Thomas Hogan with the American Institute for Economic Research argues that the Federal Reserve is engaged in something of a shell game when it comes to setting goals and sticking to them. You would argue in part that uh, the reason we have high inflation is the Federal Reserve has taken its eye off the ball. What does that mean? Well, like you said, they they have a dual mandate of stable prices and full employment. And so that's already a bit of a problem that it gives them some leeway that it's not clear what they're really trying to achieve. Uh, economists have been talking for years about how the Fed should really be following some kind of monetary policy rule where they would have a predictable policy uh, so that the public would understand what they're trying to do, but also so that we would have a single responsible goal for them. So something like the Taylor rule is commonly talked about because the Taylor rule tells, uh, dictates what the Fed should do with interest rates based on a trade-off between stable prices and unemployment, right? And so there you have the, the two uh, dual mandates combined into a single rule where we can tell whether the Fed is actually doing its job and following that rule responsibly. So if you don't have something like a rule that's going to tell them what to do, then they they are able to use their discretion and and kind of do whatever they want and have no real responsibility because if they err with inflation, they say, oh, well, we were just looking for unemployment. Um, and if unemployment is bad, they say, well, we were really focused on inflation in this period. And so the dual mandate has always given them a sort of get out of jail free card. Um, and economists know that. And so we've been trying to make them more responsible by having them follow a rule, even if it's just a guideline that would dictate uh, what their policy should be so that we have some measure to be able to tell whether they're doing a good job or not. And, you know, for years, the the economics literature has said, look, following a rule is the best, most responsible and most predictable thing that's good for the economy. Uh, but of course, the Fed officials don't want that because because we want some bar to measure them to tell if they're doing a good job. And why would they ever want to give the, us a bar? You know, why would they ever want to have to say they're wrong? Right. Even even if the rule were just a rule of thumb that they didn't have to follow, you know, there have been proposals, um, legislative proposals, bills that said, look, the Fed should just use the rule as a benchmark. And if they deviate from that benchmark, they just need to tell us why. But again, if you're a Fed official, why would you ever want to have to say you're wrong? You know, and so they've they've used the dual mandate for a long time um, to be able to act in a discretionary manner and not really have any bar against which they can be judged. What would you argue that the Fed has been doing, uh, at least in the last five years, uh, that is well beyond their purview, even with this dual mandate that, as many economists have explained, uh, it has its own problems. So, you know, prior to the COVID crisis, they had gotten back towards a more predictable kind of policy. Um, and the economy had come out of a recession and they were raising interest rates and, and kind of had a, a good idea where they were going. Um, and then COVID changed all of that. And they, they went back to the 2008, uh, emergency lending policies and QE and started doing a lot of other stuff that they hadn't done in a long, a long time. Um, but they also sort of abandoned the, the guidelines that they had had before. 
and were really pushing the economy um, in ways that they shouldn't have. They, they abandoned their emergency lending guidelines, and they also abandoned sort of their monetary policy norms, where they started saying, look, instead of saying, look, we want to try to achieve our inflation goal, they said, we're going to ignore our inflation goal. In fact, they redefined what they meant by uh, their inflation target and also what they normally defined as as full employment. And so they changed both of those things in the post-COVID period in ways that allowed them more flexibility, um, which if they were doing a good job would be fine. Um, but obviously they have not done a good job because even though employment has gone down, inflation has been way up at the highest rate in 40 years. Um, and so part of the reason that that has happened is that they abandoned what what were seen as you know predictable policies and made their inflation target and their uh, employment target more flexible um, and didn't use it in a way that was productive for the economy. So what have they been focused on? There are two things. So the on the inflation side, they redefine their goal from instead of being 2% to being an average of 2% over time, which basically gives them the flexibility year to year to deviate. Um, but it turned out the average was only one direction where when they were undershooting inflation, they said, we're going to overshoot later. And when they're overshooting inflation, they're not going to try to go back to their their previous uh, policy. Uh, they're not going to try to undershoot in the following years. And so they're okay with persistently high inflation year after year after year, as long as eventually it'll get back to 2%. So that's what happened on the inflation side. Um, on the employment side, they also redefined their employment goal from being full employment to being maximum employment and being inclusive. And so so the purpose of that change was that, you know, the, the Fed has been bothered, or I should say, like politicians have been telling the Fed for years that there's this problem of um, minority unemployment rates are higher than average and higher than for whites. And the Fed knows that, but there's really nothing they can do about it. Uh, because they just don't have the tools to be able to address that problem. And so for years, they've been saying, look, this is not something that monetary policy can do. And instead, now they said, look, we want to try to do something about that. Um, even though, you know, past Fed chairs, Janet Yellen and Ben Bernanke, and even current chair uh, Jerome Powell have all said, look, monetary policy is just too broad of a brush. We can't address this issue of differences in in." Uh, unemployment rates for minorities. That's a long-term structural problem, but they've been constantly asked about it over and over and finally said, okay, yeah, we're going to we're gonna try to do something about this. Now, what does that mean in terms of policy? So basically what it meant was that they were going to keep ex expansionary monetary policy going longer than they normally would in order to bring minority rates of unemployment down lower. So if you think back to uh, say 2018, 2019, prior to COVID, this was a time when the economy was booming and minority unemployment rates had come down to basically the lowest levels ever. And so this was seen as a, a huge triumph. But that had happened after years and years of a, a growing economy where it had, uh, an, all unemployment rates had come down and it had compressed the differences between these um, between you know minority unemployment rates and and the average, um, because the economy had been growing so much, and so what they tried to do was overstimulate the economy very quickly during the recovery to try to get back to that point where it was booming so much that it was compressing these differences, and so they really sort of kept the pedal of the metal and kept expanding despite the fact that inflation was 
exploding all around them because they wanted to try to achieve this difference of, you know, reducing um, inequality in, in employment. I look at the experience of the last four years of Fed policy, and uh, although I'm not certainly not an expert in any of this, and my sense is that the Fed was doing its best to respond to um, the sharpest decline in mm-hmm. overall employment in a very long time. Are you, you're suggesting that the Fed prior to this was keeping the pedal to the metal for the broad unemployment figures? So, so I actually think um, I actually agree with you that early on in the crisis, I, I think the Fed did kind of a good job. I, th- um, I actually I have a paper with some co-authors in in the Southern Economic Journal that was an an initial appraisal of the Fed's response to COVID. And I think I'm skeptical of some of the emergency lending that they did. They went definitely beyond their mandate and beyond their normal rules in in that capacity. Um, But in terms of monetary policy, I think they they did respond initially uh, in a way that they were trying to support the economy. I wish they had been more explicit about... um, once the economy recovers, we're going to do a bunch of QE rather than doing it preemptively. But I understand why they wanted to, they put a bunch of money into the economy so that when the economy started to get going again, they were accommodating that recovery. And so I I actually think early on, they did a good job of that. And I also think that early on, there were some supply factors that drove up prices that were causing inflation that was not monetary inflation. You know, we had some things that, like the um, computer chip shortage in the auto industry, that was a huge driver of early inflation. If we look back to 2020, a lot of the initial inflation is is all linked to car prices. It's all uh, new and used car prices and related things like insurance, and that's driving the majority of the inflation. So, so that early phase was clearly a supply side problem. Um, but pretty soon after that, it became apparent that there were prices going up all over the economy. Right. And so they the Fed should have noticed into 2021 that this was now a monetary problem and not just a supply side problem. But because of the issue of you know unemployment, that they're trying to have this more impl- inclusive unemployment goal, and because of a couple other issues like forward guidance that Jerome Powell had promised already that the Fed would move slowly, um, that they they waited far too long to start raising interest rates. Even after their own projections, you know, they they at first were saying, look, inflation is not that bad. But you can see over the course of 2021 and into 2022, they start raising their projections of of inflation over and over and over. And so it's clear that at that time they really understood by the end of 2021, look, this is this is not just a short-term problem. You know, and and Powell said, we're going to retire the word transitory because we're no longer saying this is just a temporary thing. Um, and so it became pretty clear that this was something that was caused by monetary policy. And at that time, they should have started doing something about it. They should have started raising interest rates and saying that they were concerned. But because of uh, what they were trying to do with inclusive unemployment and because of their previous promises not to move too quickly, they just let inflation get out of control. And that's why we find ourselves in the situation we're in today, that we have a big problem with inflation that's being caused by the Fed and bad monetary policy. Thomas Hogan was formerly the chief economist for the U.S. Senate Committee on Banking, Housing, and Urban Affairs. He's currently with the American Institute for Economic Research. Please give a rating to the Cato Daily Podcast on your podcast platform of choice and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.